evening, guys. Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the UFC. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, Sean O'Malley is getting called out, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones is dead, and Jake Paul says he might go over to NASCAR. All of that in a moment, but first, I want to tell you about my weekend. Guys, let me fill you in. I was out at Eagle FC over the weekend. And Eagle FC, I have a lot of things to tell you guys, including fixing one thing. Do many of you think this was the first one? Because I did. I watched the promos for it, and the Eagle had landed, and they had these, these fantastic pieces hyping the main event. Tyrone Spong, Sergey Harnick, Konov. One of these things, though, is I thought it was the first one. So I get out there, and I've got to read some stuff. I was part of the broadcast team, so you got to read some stuff, including stating what event you're at. It was Eagle FC 44. Now, that's a big different distinction. Thinking it's the first time versus it's the 44th time, just a big distinction. So what was the first time? Well, I think it was the first time on this platform. What was the first time? Well, I think it was the first time out of this venue. Well, what was the first time? Well, I think it was the first time it was advertised and marketed specifically to a North American audience. I can only tell you these were experts running it. Those 44 that had, when it came to personnel, when it came to being organized, let's start with the facility. So you guys have heard of the Apex. Apex is one of the most beautiful structures I've ever been in. I'll word it just like that. I prefer the Apex to Madison Square Garden. Personal choice, not the same history. As far as the infrastructure, what's new, how contemporary it is, I prefer the Apex. That's how nice the Apex is. Bellator over COVID, came up with their own apex. Now, that would be more known as a production space. They went inside of the Mohegan Sun. They black draped the whole thing. They brought in the cameras and the lights, but they had their own production space, and they were throwing shows every two weeks, which is a lot easier to do under this new model. And Dana has to get the credit for that. Everybody else was the traveling circus. Dana said, you know what? Let's just get one set. Same as Saturday Night Live does. We can show it to the world, but they're going to operate out of the same facility. And a lot of people are now uh, adding to that same idea. I think we're going to see it in boxing. Pro wrestling had done something like that at one point. When Paul Heyman was doing it, was it called ECW? But they had an arena. So I bring it to you because what the hell took us so long? Right? I, I mean, there's a reason Soldier Field has caught on or Cowboy Stadium. Like, you put the home team... You bring somebody else in, they go take them on, you're going to have your local fans. But Eagle FC did this, they had a facility. It was huge. This thing was massive. They used to run some other sport out of there before Eagle FC took this thing over, and it was either hockey or it was basketball, but I believe it. You had all of the locker rooms, three floors of offices that are full of people. I mean, they had a real infrastructure. And when it was time to go lights, camera, action, this event was as beautiful as any event I've been to with a little bit of a different feel. I'm never crazy about, because I don't understand it, when somebody talks about energy or they talk about a feel. Oh, it's got a good energy. Oh, it has a bad... I don't know what that means. I could use a little bit more words. But guys, I have to default to that because it was a feel. There was a feeling in the air. There was a special energy at Eagle FC. I've been to a number of first-time events. I was at the first ever Meta Morris just by example. I was at the first ever Strike Force just by example. But I was at all three, or, or all both of, the Affliction shows. All great events. This felt different. Now, Khabib specifically wanted to give the live audience a nightclub feel. How do you do that? Well, first off, it's a limited number of seats, because they're fixed 
They're set in there. And it's not just chairs sitting around a ring. He brought in theater-style seating, just like you're in a movie theater. So everybody's got a view. You've got the cage, the lights, the ramps. Got the cameras. you got the whole bit. But Khabib, if there was a dress code. Everybody who came, as limited as it was, and I believe it was 300, that's the number I'll throw out, but there was a dress code. I don't know specifically what it is, but I didn't see a single girl that wasn't in a dress. I didn't see a single guy that did not have on a collared shirt and a jacket. And then for the music, when you're dead, right, like everything's bumping. The announce team, and we were even told this, you could curse. Now, I'm not curse guy. I don't think anybody used a four-letter word. I'm just sharing with you that it was just going to be a different feel. Going to be a little bit more edgy. Be a little bit more in a nightclub, having a cage fight, and bringing some really good guys to do it. So that, But that's a theme. Many promotions, it could be grappling or it could be MMA, many promotions don't have a different feel. They don't have a different theme. They don't have anything that sets them apart for the live audience or the home audience. I'm just offering for you guys, as a guy that got to see both, I could be on this side of the curtain when it was going on. I got home and rewatched it. I got, I got to see what you guys saw. It felt different. And each and every athlete that competed turned to Khabib in the ring, said, Khabib, bring me back. You don't see all sorts of promotions doing that, in all fairness. You don't see people turning to the promoter and saying, I want to come back again. This was the guys that won. This was the guys that lost. They wanted to come back again. And I think a lot of it did have to do because of this feel that I'm talking about, because of it was new, because of the way they were treated, because of the facility. Those things might sound simple, and for a fan at the audience, you don't take any of those into consideration. That's okay. You're not wrong to do that. But if you are one of the performers on the inside, the way that you're treated, it means something. Rashad Evans came back. He had a return fight. It had been eight years since Rashad won a fight. But Rashad has also retired for about two and a half years, maybe closer to three got inducted into the Hall of Fame, everything's going his way, he's still involved with the sport, he's training guys, he's rejuvenizing the Black Zillions, he's got a bunch of up-and-comers, decides he wants to compete again. Now, anybody who comes out of retirement is going to be asked the same question, which is, what's going to be different now? Why should we expect something different from you now? But Rashad had an answer. Most don't. Rashad had an answer. His answer was he has changed his physiology because he changed his diet. Rashad, for three and a half years, has been a fruitarian. It's a term I've never heard before. Rashad even gave me a book on it. Fruitarian means you don't eat anything but fruits and vegetables, and I do mean anything. And I asked all the questions that you're probably thinking, well, what about nuts? What about fish? What about chicken? I'll say it one more time. Rashad has not eaten anything for the better part of three years aside from fruits and vegetables. But Rashad said how much better it made him feel. He talked about inflammation specifically, which is one thing that is less tenable the older you get while staying in athletics. Your body gets sore, gets tired, gets inflamed. You can't recover to get to the second workout in a day. That lack of workouts in conjunction with the competition getting those workouts, you fall behind. Rashad talked about that. He said, no, man, I felt, I felt great. That change in diet has actually made me faster. It helped my recovery time. It's what allowed me to do this. I don't know if he's right or wrong. This was his answer. But unlike most guys, Rashad had an answer. So that right there is worth tuning in and seeing. Now you have a big question because Rashad got his hand raised. In fact, he won every single round. But you have the big question, Rashad, was this just a send off? Was this just the moment you wanted to come back and do this your way? That's very common within the psychology of an athlete. You want to go out the right way, and we never get to, right? If you're going out on wins, you don't go out. You stick around. You get forced out of uh, sports. You get forced out of games. 
Is that what this is about? You guys might remember. You remember Daniel Cormier? Daniel Cormier was a top fighter in the world. He'd already won the Grand Prix. He was already in line to be fighting for world championships. He went back and had a wrestling match. The reason he did that is he had to retire at the Olympic Games, or at least the Olympic Games became his last time competing. He said, that's not how I want to go out. I want to have a match that I declare my last. I want to take my shoes off. I want to leave them. I want to go out the right way. It meant something to him, but it meant enough to him that he came back and he did another competition against Coach Chris Pendleton, a multiple-time national champion. Very hard match. But he wanted to be able to go out. So here's the question with Rashad. Rashad, is that what this is? Is this a go-out moment or is this a comeback? Because they're very different. And I don't think that Rashad knew in the moment. I don't think if you would have asked him the day before, he could have answered that question. Because a lot of it had to do with, for right now, it's one day at a time. Let me take care of this and let me talk to you in 15 minutes or less. Okay. I still don't know that I totally have the answer, but I think that Rashad is coming back. So where does he go and what kind of competition? Do we keep on bringing in these new guys that are looking to get a name off of Rashad? Or do we bring in some veterans, get them back, have a little bit of fun in that direction? I can't answer that for you. But there was still something special to seeing a guy who took a very big risk, and Rashad did, just so that he could be at peace with himself. Very hard to understand. For a former world champion to ever think that he's not going to be remembered properly, or moreover for Rashad Evans, a Hall of Famer. The Hall of Fame is the greatest distinction that our industry offers. Rashad's in the Hall of Fame, but he needed something more. It was interesting. I appreciated it. I got to spend a lot of time with Khabib. I got to pick his brain. There was a part of me that thought going into this, Khabib had lended his name to something. Not the case. I spent an entire day with him. Two days before bell time, he was getting pulled in every direction. He was making all sorts of decisions. From the press conference to how the weigh-ins were going to go to what the post-fight meal was going to be. I mean, in all fair, this is Khabib's show, just as you guys are being told. And it's very interesting I got to spend some time with Kamara Usman. Very interesting guy. Very driven. Very well aware of his division. There was a rumor that came out over the weekend on Kamara. Wasn't a rumor. It was an article. Kamara Usman wanted to skip Izzy Adesanya and go right in against Jan Blachowicz. He wanted to do the champ champ thing, but he wanted to skip his friend and his countryman Adesanya go up to 205 pounds. Now that would be very interesting. I don't know that I could predict for you that he could even get that fight. I don't think that Dana's mind would see it that way or let you... I, I don't, but it's still interesting when the 170-pound champion wants to take on the 205-pound champion. It'd be very hard for Blahovich to say no. And one thing we do got to give Young credit for is he doesn't say no. He says yes. It's no more of a risk for him. If you're taking on a smaller guy, it's a smaller guy. And he took on Adesanya. So I'm just sharing with you what could have been. And I did have an opportunity to talk to Kumar about that and just say, hey, man, is this true? I read this out there, is this true? Were you actually pursuing it? He said, I didn't do anything about public. I never told Dana or things like this, but yes, that was my plan, and I wanted to have an opportunity to be champ champ, and I'm I'm not getting in, in Izzy's way. I found that interesting. Then I had a chance to catch up with Cejudo. Cejudo is a very hard one to pin down, and I know him very well personally. I share that with you because it's not a situation where Henry knows Chael's going to come and blab. Be careful of what you say. Henry could tell me anything. He just needs to say, Chael, keep this between us. And Henry knows me that way, and he does do that sometimes, but he doesn't do that as it pertains to his comeback. So I always think I'm getting the straight scoop. And Henry's mind is getting pulled in a few different directions. He's not completely committed to one idea. But I have asked him point blank, Henry, for sure, are you coming back? He said yes. I said, okay, I heard you talking about Sterling, and I heard you talking about Jan. 
as recently as last week. So I'm coming to the opinion that 135 is still in play. Now that's where things got weird. Because he told me no. He said no. 145. I said, okay. I heard you talking about those guys, but fine. New answer. You got the right to change your mind. Let me get you right now, Henry. 145, you're coming back. You'll go through the list. He said, Shale, I'm in the USADA pool. I'm training twice a day. I'm ready to go. I want Volkanovski. I said, I know you want Volkanovski, but Volkanovski's already got an opponent, and it's not you. So are you willing to get in there? And that's where it was hard to get an answer. He for sure was willing to tell me that after he beats Volkanovski, he's going to stick around and defend the belt for a few years. He also was very confident in telling me if he lost to Volkanovski, he's going to stick around and take on the contenders then. I need to know the specific order. Henry, will you take on the contenders before you get the shot at Volkanovski? I couldn't pin him down, guys. I couldn't pin him down. But I can tell you that look in Henry's eye, he means this. This is real. For you Cejudo fans out there, be happy. You're getting your guy back. 135 as recently as one week ago was on the table. He's telling me, no, it's 45. And he's telling me, I'm going to get Volkanovski. Let's see where this goes. That's the inside scoop. I had a great weekend. Had a few of these stories. Wanted to bring them to you guys. And I know I've dangled a few things. I know we didn't wrap them up. Stick around as the weeks come. We'll tie all of these things together. But for now, I feel good. I feel good in telling you, Henry will be back. So I told you I was hanging out with Henry Cejudo, who has been very busy coaching some of the UFC's biggest stars, including John Jones. And the fight we all want to see John take is the one against Francis Ngannou, but I got to tell you guys, I'm not sure if we're going to get it. Guys, is it time? Is it time to stop talking about John Jones versus Francis Ngannou? Stop looking forward to it. Stop all the banter. Is it time? That's a hard one. Because we would like to see that match, wouldn't we? Francis Ngannou is hurt. John Jones is unlicensed. Not for nothing, it's not us, the community, that's stopping that fight. Francis gets a pass. He's going to have knee surgery. He gets a pass for a short period of time. I believe, and Dr. Abbasi will help us out with this, but I believe it was an MCL. That is very, very different than an ACL. ACL, nine months. With all the luck in the world, nine months. You really should take a year. Regardless of what the doctors tell you, you should take a year. But I believe this is an MCL. Either way, my point is the same. Whether that point gets to stay for a long period or a short period, my point's the same. We don't force anybody to do anything when they're hurt. We wish them well. We help somebody up when they're down. But we do have to deal with that with having the overlay to the story about the contract dispute. So that's Francis. But then if you look at John, he's not Minister Innocent either. You have two guys that are, are, are extremely difficult to work with. I'm not passing any judgment here. You have two guys that are difficult. John is so difficult to work with that he didn't show up for work for two years. He's that difficult. Now, even if you think John is on the correct side of this, I'm not here to debate that. I'm making a very loose statement that they're difficult to work with. That would be a mega fight, big rewards for two difficult guys, and one of them is now going to be twice as difficult. He's going to need to want to that much less. 
So there's politics and there's things moving in all sorts of directions, but I could leave it at the most basic level. One is hurt, one is unlicensed. They need to make those moves, whether it's rehabbing or whether it's doing the paperwork, they need to make that first step. I also am a little surprised we haven't heard from John. John has made it clear, and I hear from people in the practice room with him, he's working his ass off. John has made it very clear he's coming back with his words. He's told us that. Whatever was ailing him, whatever disputes he had, he's worked through. He's looking to come back. John even told us, guys, you remember three weeks ago, John Jones is telling us he's looking forward to watching this fight so we can study both of them because he's planning to take on the winner. But he's been very quiet since then. And it's the quietness that is largely the bigger point I'm getting at. Francis has been very quiet. If Francis believes that he can stay radio silent for one year and draw into a mega fight against anybody, I don't give a damn what the sport is. He's wrong. There is not a value in Francis Ngano to go box. There is a massive value in the sitting UFC champion with the great Dana promoting it. That'll get you a big check. But if that is not the position, those offers aren't even coming in. And whoever is misleading him saying, yes, they will. Yes, I can fix it. Yes, the people want to see you. They're not telling him the truth. That's his decision, not ours. But these are the pieces that we're looking at if we're going to attempt to guess and decide, should we continue to look forward to Jones versus Engano? Now, set that aside. I think you can work things out with Francis. I think that we're starting to like Francis more. I think we appreciate and respect the fact that he came behind and used a skill set that he's never once displayed to hang on to that championship while hurt. I think we like Francis. I don't think Francis wants to leave. I mean, when you're part of a group, you're part of a community, they've got their arms around you and you're one of the leaders of it, that's a hard thing to say, I'm going to turn my back and I'm going to go over here and hope they like me just as much. I'm guessing right now. But I think we can get things worked out with Francis. You got to go back to John. Because whether I want to say he has a license or not, guys, that's some paperwork. I get it. Gets about agreement. He goes and does some medical. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm not trying to make believe that it is. And John does tell us that he wants to fight, but it's not just his words. It's his actions. He is in the room. He's putting in the time. He's putting in the work. He put on the size. He did everything that he set out to do. Now he needs a competition. I don't know that it can be with Francis. So who should it be with? And the one thing that John wants, and guys, I got to go back to the night that he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. He was in great spirits. He was back in front of the cameras. And he said, I've got this worked out with Dana, but I'm going to need to sell this fight a little bit more. I can be incentivized as long as a lot of people want to watch it. This was John, taking John's own words. So if John is not going to have Francis, I think John should get that party started in what direction he wants to go. Because if John is sitting back thinking he's going to be called out, he's not. One problem that you have when you're dealing with John Jones he doesn't quite understand how good he is. He really doesn't. John is the best, and guys don't want in there with him. It's a very scary proposition, not to mention, guys, the fear of the unknown. It's one of the art of war. All we know about John is he's very good. We don't even know how much better he is. His coaches are saying he's faster and more powerful than ever. That's a scary thing. Nobody's calling out John. There are guys that will take that call, but you're going to have to put a little something on it. And I'm not just talking about a little cake, Jake. I'm talking about it has to be for a reason. If John's got the belt, boom, there's two, three boys that have the balls to go out there for that opportunity. 
if it gets named the number one contenders match, hey, there's one or two boys that are willing to walk out there just for that opportunity. But that's going to have to be stated ahead of time. And if John, and I'm only guessing because he's been so quiet, if John is waiting to be a counterpuncher, see who comes at him first, he's going to be sitting there alone. Nobody wants to fight John. There's some guys that are willing to fight him, and I only bring that to you. Because John has been very quiet, it would just seem to me, if he is going to act on the statement he made about bringing more attention into it, he might as well get started now. And there's only a couple of guys that that could be. Surreal is in play. Surreal is very much in play, particularly if Engano does get stripped. And at a minimum, we're going to have an interim championship. At a minimum. The injury alone makes that eligible. History repeated itself, which was Francis sitting out after only 90 days, three months, guys. Tells us we're at a minimum going to have an interim championship. Surreal's at play. Stipe is always game, but Stipe's never going to go first. He might not even counterpunch you. He just doesn't have an interest in that. And then you got Derek Lewis just because he's tougher than hell. I think there's opportunity right now because there's other guys that make a very interesting match with John Jones. Let me throw an example, guys. You want to see John, right? So we're going to come in and we're going to see John, particularly the very first time. There's very few things. You got main events, you got title fights, you have grudge fights. There's very few things that are bigger than a comeback fight. So who the opponent is, if there's ever been a time that that doesn't need to be the emphasis quite as much, it's now for the comeback, Curtis Blades. Curtis would do it, for one. Check that box. Curtis is a big man, which John said he has problems with. You can check that box. John Jones was a junior college national champion. Curtis Blades was a junior college national champion, and the wrestling is a huge thing when you're dealing with John. In many ways, Curtis Blades is the biggest threat to Jones. Stipe and, or I apologize, Francis and Surreal both have a lack in competitive wrestling. Stipe and Curtis Blades, check that box. That's an interesting fight. And Curtis is always looking for something big to do. I'm just saying, I mean, not for nothing. You've got to start going in some directions, and John wants to get this ball rolling. I'm taking John at his word. I'm taking it on the words of his teammates, which is he's ready to go. He wants to go. That's different. Ready to go and he wants to go. That's now. Does John want that world title so bad? Does he want that one massive night as opposed to two or three damn good nights? I don't know. He'd have to tell us. But he could be waiting a meaningful amount of time. And as quiet as everybody's been, people aren't talking about John. People are not talking about Francis. If you hear a little chatter on either, it's bringing them together. But you've got to search. They have not been a headline in three weeks. That's a long time. You cannot let, when you're in a business of promotion, you cannot let 21 days go by without being at the top of the page. You can't do it. So how does John get that back? I submit for you, he pick himself an opponent. And it's very slim pickings. You can't just put the top 10 heavyweights on the board, throw a dart, John gets to come in against one of them. It's not. You're not going to have a lot of guys saying yes. You would, Curtis Blades will say yes. Stipe Miocic will say yes. In fact, was preparing for that fight almost seven months ago, thought he was going to go in that direction. Derek Lewis is going to say yes. Surreal, go I mean, there, you, you've, it's slim pickings. But I do think that those are the ones we're going to have to look at for John with the information that we've been given. John ready to come back. John wants to come back. Francis gets a pass in all fairness. He's every right to heal that knee. Should John be looking in a different direction? And you agree with me. If you agree with me, then I know you're... Curtis, 
Stipe, Derek, Surreal. Those are your options. Who do you want to see Jones fight next? So that's a wrap on the heavyweight discussion. And coming up next, I want to move down to 135 pounds to talk about Sugar Sean O'Malley and who he might face next. But before that, a quick word about today's sponsor. The moment we've all been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code CHAIL to get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code CHAIL at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 and older. Minimum age and location requirement vary for jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to number 467-369. Saeed Nurmagomedov, who I personally proclaimed the MVP of the last pay-per-view. I thought he stole the show over everybody. But Saeed has come out. He's trying to poke his finger at Sugar Sean. And one thing that he's saying and disclosing to the world is that the UFC has tried to get himself, Saeed, Saeed, and Sean together. And that Sean has said no twice. This is the way the story is revealed. It was done through social media. I came across it. Some of the dirt sheets that I go to picked it up, turned this into a whole story. So I go read it. I don't challenge that fact. I didn't call Sean and ask him, hey, we offer this guy. I'm not, I'm not adding credibility to this or stated for you guys that this is the way that happened, but this is what was said, and if I read it, it might have. Now, that doesn't sound like Sean O'Malley would turn down a fight, and this is what it was designed to do, was try to embarrass Sean, which is a real schoolyard tactic. You're scared to do it, and the other kid's got to step forward. I'm not scared to do it. Right? You guys have seen this a million times. You probably even had it done to you. Some jerk did it to you, or you did it to somebody else, but you saw the effectiveness. It usually got guys a, a step closer to getting in there. So I don't have a problem with it. I don't think Nurmagomedov did anything wrong here. But Nurmagomedov, if this happened, I'm going to take his own words, and if he is sincere in asking why that fight didn't happen, I'm going to answer it for him. This has been missed in Sean's career. This is missed by the fellow athletes more than anybody, and it infuriates me when an athlete within his own division doesn't understand how the system works. It stuns me. But that athlete has nobody to go to because their managers don't know. The only person in this space, which is not the bright guy business, but the only person dumber than the athlete is the manager. 
And it happens every single time. If I was managing this guy, I'd have this whole thing put together. And I'd have the whole thing put together in 15 seconds. But time out there, because I'm looking at this from Sean's side. Sean needs something. Sean understands that his opponent, his nemesis, who he's going to attempt to do damage to, and possibly receive damage from, under the unified rules at a specified time, in a specified weight class, is still his partner. If you guys aren't picking up on this business about how important your opponent is as your partner, you're simply not following Jake Paul. You cannot tell me that you're a Jake Paul fan or a hater, but that you follow his career, whether it's to see him win or if it's to see him lose. If you don't understand that he always picks a partner, not an opponent, he's never picked an opponent once. Now, let's go back to Sean. Sean has a beautiful record. Sean's got a very big fan base. When they show to throw to Sean for a quick cameo at a live event, he's in the front row. That means something. Dana gives those tickets away. If you're in the second row, whoever's sitting in front of you, that's a big sign. Dana prefers this guy. This guy thinks I'm bigger. It's a very big sign. Sean's in the front row. Sean is on the main card. Sean is a member of the media now, whether he wants to be or not. He's got a very big program. He's out there. He's sharing. He's talking opinions. Sean matters. Sean has placement on the card. That is far more important and far more valuable and far more of a bird in the hand than having a beautiful ranking or even being a former champion. Whoever fights later is the bigger star. Whoever fights later on the card is more meaningful and important, at least right now in this moment, period. I bring that to you because so many guys that want a piece of Sean don't offer Sean anything. And they come out this from the schoolyard tactics. Now, I'm not upset with Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov's taking his shot. I'm not bothered by what he did. In fact, I think it was wise. But I am going to take the time to ask the question that he's fainting. He needs a response to for the rest of the guys so you guys can learn. Sean is here. If you can't get Sean to here, you're not his partner. It's now charity. And if Sean accepts a fight, Sean's here. All of you are here. You want Sean to pull you up or you want Sean to come down to you. If he's going to do that, he's going to have to view you as easy work. He will take a risk, but he has to be able to get something. Can we understand that? Because I think it's a pretty basic concept that I think you guys would understand. I don't think I'm condescending to anybody, but I am attempting to shine a light on the obvious. This is so clear. Sean is looking for a partner. He's going to whip your ass, but he's going to give you a chance to do it to him. If Sean wins, he needs to get or at least maintain something. If Sean moves down to take on some of these... Look, there's some great fighters. And Sean will be the first to admit this. There is some real studs, but they're jerking the curtain. Sean will do the work, but you got to come up here and have somewhere that he can go. And I don't see guys in main events. I don't see guys in co-main events. I don't see guys ranked number three. I don't see guys ranked number two calling Sean out. Why is that? Are they just following the same process? Or are they seeing a pretty damn good fighter there that's looking to make his way up the card? They don't want to give him the rub and they don't want to take the risk. Now, you guys know the answer to that question. That's exactly what it is right? Rhetorical question. I posed a question fully well knowing the answer, but you guys know it too. And you're okay with that. You're okay with the number two guy not going after Sean. You're okay with the champion not fighting Sean O'Malley. But when it gets put on Sean O'Malley, that same logic that you just said was acceptable doesn't get to apply. If Nurmagomedov wants to fight with Sean, 
or if anybody else would like to fight with Sean. You're looking for an opponent because you're not a strategist. Sean is looking for a partner. So work your way up, have something you can offer him, then come back and I can all but assure you, you'll get the fight. So that's the latest on Sean O'Malley. And I want to take a few minutes to talk about Sean Strickland, who faces Jack Hermanson this Saturday in a must-see middleweight fight. Hermanson versus Strickland, guys, that's going down this weekend, and that's an interesting match. It's an interesting match stylistically, but save the X's and O's, what's on the line? It's a main event fight, so it's a featured bout in the middleweight division of which the championship is going to be contested in 10 days. So whoever wins between Izzy versus Whitaker is going to be looking for their next opponent who's in line. Look, I know that Cannonier and Brunson appear to be the front runners. Cannonier and Brunson are positive that they've already been given that nod. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard anybody say that's a number one contenders fight, and it certainly would not be argued if it was. Awesome and competitive fight. But if that's not been said to be the number one contender's fight, or it has been, it still brings the same question, which is, well, then what's Sean fighting for? Just fighting to get a win? Just fighting to entertain us? Okay, I can live with that. But generally, main events aren't that way. There's something that you're looking at. There's a reason that they're out there. And it's really tough because I do believe that Sean Strickland goes head-to-head with anybody on paper, absolutely anybody, no matter how well they've done. And Cannonier and Brunson certainly done well. Sean goes head-to-head with them. You want to talk about who's won the most fights, who's done it most impressively, who's done it in the bigger positions. I think he goes head-to-head. Who's done it the most times? He goes head-to-head. So the question becomes, with parity, I think that tips the scale in Sean's favor, but that's my opinion. I think that Adesanya, I'm following the golden rule, put myself in somebody else's shoes before I try to act what they would want to do. If I were in Adesanya's shoes, I would like to spread it around. I would like to have new guys and new bodies, new opportunities, new challenges, new faces across from me. I'm assuming that Izzy's in agreement there, but he might not. Izzy might see an advantage and take it on the same guy multiple times. So hold that thought. Look at it from the perspective that Adesanya would prefer to give the nod to somebody new as opposed to give the nod to somebody that he's already faced, which could be wrong by me. That is an assumption. I think that favors Strickland. Now, can Strickland get it done against Jack? And, and, and if Strickland is going to be in the very small table for conversation and discussion of being the next opponent to the winner of Adesanya Whitaker, if that's going to be the case, why am I not saying the same thing for Jack? Well, Jack doesn't demand anything. In all fairness, Jack, right? nobody gets a world title fight before asking for it. Your favorite fighter will never get a world title fight until you and fellow fans come and start to ask for it, start to build that fire. Jack hasn't even began that process. And if you do look at the X's and O's of this match, man, it's interesting. Sean is an overall mixed martial artist, but if you go watch his career closely, you just go watch each fight in each round, he does his best work on his feet. He's a bear to take off of his feet. He seldomly tries to take you off of his, and even if he would go into the mixed martial arts category... He's still a striking specialist, I think is the conclusion you would draw. For sure you would conclude that Jack is a grappling specialist. Sean knows that. Sean knows full well what he's getting into. Even if I'm asking the question of why 
what is this about? Sean knows what skills Jack brings. And I can insert myself here. Sean came out, did a submission underground. And he said, I want to do the match because I'm getting ready to fight Jack Hermanson. And this was before it was announced. Sean told me this before it was even announced that this fight was going to happen. He said, I'm going to be fighting Jack next, which does a great job on the ground. I would like to stop by a pure grappling competition as a way of preparing to go to the ground with Jack. Okay. All that tells me is that Sean has studied his opponent. Sean has studied it, prepared for it, and didn't just talk about it. Took the steps, took the dangers, took the risks to be prepared for when this fight goes off. Does that play into your opinion of who it's going to favor? you got to understand how good Jack is. Jack's more than good. Jack has had nights where he was great. Jack has had certain performances that on certain other nights would have won him the world championship. Jack was brought in, and this is the big one for me, but I got to go back to the Jacare fight. It wasn't just getting the jump on Jacare and how he did it. It was the time frame that he had to prepare to do it. Because all of a sudden, Jack's out there all night long. We have to only assume that he was not at his peak, and he pushed hard all night long. That's another skill that Sean has. They could cross each other out. Conditioning is always an intangible. It's always a factor. Worst case scenario, they go the distance. Who can hold up longer than their opponent? That's where your confidence comes from. Confidence never comes from a fighter for being faster or being more powerful or being more experienced. Not from the fighter. The better can have their own uh, say in that. But the fighter himself will ask himself one question and only one question, which is in a worst case scenario, who's going to be more exhausted, me or him? And if you're confident that you can go harder, longer than him, you have confidence in the fight. Confidence does not always equate to a victory. Confidence is one of these weird words that start in athletics and people tell you, you have to have confidence. No, you don't. You do not. But if you're going to have confidence, it's going to be derived from one place, which is, can I hold up longer than he can? Can I follow the golden rule? Can I have enough energy to protect myself at all times? A combat athlete's biggest fear is not losing. It is reaching exhaustion and not being able to finish the match. So I bring that to you. Which one of those guys is in better shape? That's a hard question. Who's better on the ground? It would appear Jack. Who's better on their feet? It would appear Sean. Hard fight, close fight. I want these guys to get the credit they deserve. Jack does not demand credit. Sean is yet to start banging the drum, but this is his second main event against his second awesome opponent. That will make it eight wins in a row. His last loss in a different division to sitting King Kamar Usman. He looks good. He looks good. Is this a number one contender's fight? Nobody's told us it is. I don't know that that ever needs to be stated. And I don't know that it can be, politically speaking. You don't want to declare this the number one contender's fight. All of a sudden, then what are Brunson and Cannoneer fighting about? You just took their motivation away. And I've seen these positions get tested. We just saw the same scenario. It was Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler with Islam Makhlcheb looming. And Dana was in a hard spot. He didn't want to deny Islam, but he also didn't want to take any motivation away from what went on to be not only the fight of the night, but the fight of the year. It's one of those spots where, hey, good options. Let's see what happens. Let's readdress this down the road. I think a win here for Strickland specifically puts him in that conversation. I think that conversation is exactly where he should be. Adesanya is one of the very few guys in the entire sport, not just champions, in the entire sport that takes a say in his own career. 
Adesanya will not leave that ring after Whitaker should he get his hand raised without setting up his next fight. He never has before. You want to be the name that he calls. How do you become that name? How do you position yourself? How much is, is poking the bear and how much is upsetting him? How much is annoying him and making him not give you that blessing? Right? There's a lot of parts here. There's a lot, lot at stake. It's kind of fun when it's a little clear, boom, number one contenders fight, but we can also see why we don't get to that spot. I don't know if there's ever been a time for Sean or Hermanson that's more imperative to win. To close out today's show, Jake Paul has been in the news a lot lately, and he made some comments recently about his future, and I gotta tell you, I don't hate what he said. Jake Paul said when his boxing career is done, he is considering going into NASCAR. I liked that. I liked it because I think he's telling us the truth. I think that's straight. And I think he would make it to the top. I really do. I don't buy NASCAR, personally. Can't prove it. Don't think NASCAR is real. NASCAR... The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and get a different result. NASCAR does the same thing over and over with the same people in the same cars doing the same thing. And every Sunday they get a different result. There was one time somebody won a race two weeks in a row and then they won the third as well. And this was like world news in NASCAR. I didn't realize that that wasn't common. You guys have a vehicle. I have a vehicle. If you come and we race... The light turns green and we punch it down and we race. Whichever one of us wins is going to win tomorrow and the day after that and the day following that. But in NASCAR, they get a different result to the point that it was shocking news in the industry. And I'm going back about six years, but somebody had won three races in a row. It, it was shocking. They hadn't seen this before. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that's, that's weird. Because I'll just go on the example that I just gave you. You have a car, I have a car. If we race, whoever wins will win tomorrow and the next day and the next day as long as it's still me and you and it's still in the same vehicle right? Then NASCAR does something very interesting too, where they try to change the conditions. Now, my father was a horseman, breeder of the year multiple times, including post-mortem, including for ponies that he already had in the barn that he hadn't got to the track yet. So I spent a lot of time at the horse track and there would always be talk if they were going to run in the mud or they were running in the sand. If it had rained that day or if it hadn't, my dad would always tell me, it's all garbage, Chael. He said, we only have so many horses, but every Sunday we're going to have them race. So the only way you can get any interest or get people to place bets in other directions is to act as though there's a variable that would change the outcome. It's not true. I'm not here to tell you that. I've never been a horse and I've never tried running in the mud as, a, as opposed to the sand. I don't know firsthand. But like most of you, we believe what our father told us. And my father was deeply invested in this. He was also recognized for his hard work. He said, it doesn't make a bit of difference. It's the same horse doing the same thing against the same competition. That was his stance. I carry that over to NASCAR. I don't buy NASCAR for a second. I think that's a little elitist club. When I watch NASCAR and all the money that you got to have, it looks like as long as you have money and fame, you can get it in NASCAR. And if you guys and that upset you and you think I'm wrong, Jake Paul's about to prove it. So be careful become you come out firing. Because Jake Paul does not race cars. He does not even own a car. And if Jake Paul went over to NASCAR, he's going to be on TV. And he's going to be watched just as much as the Brickhouse 500. NASCAR is not going to keep him out. And this has never been done. This has never been done where some star rolled over. Well, why wouldn't he, right? If you're fixing events anyway, it has been done in the world of pro wrestling. 
who made its same run on southern white uneducated males, same ones that NASCAR solicits to, and why? Because for the same reason, in my opinion, I really think this. I don't think NASCAR is real. You got a car, I got a car. Let's go race. Do you dispute that if you beat me today, me and my same car is going to beat you next week? Do you dispute that in the least? No, of course not. I made this argument once before. My buddy Reese calls me up. He's so upset. Like, he had a dream of being a NASCAR guy. He was so upset. How could I say that? The same two cars with the same two drivers. Of course you can have a different result. If the track is different, it's like, no, no, Reese. My father grew up in this. I've been to tracks. I've taken money. I've seen. I've been to the show and seen the strings. We build that narrative to sell to the audience, and the audience buys it every time. The track and the conditions do not change the race. And why would they? Do you know people like this? You ever driving around your neighborhood, there's no traffic. All of a sudden, you're in a traffic jam. It's the same people in the same neighborhood, but it rained that day. Because I see it too. Somebody can't drive because the rain was there. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. If, if, you're, if you're that kind of nerd, okay, fair enough. These are professionals. They pee in a diaper while they're racing and have somebody else change their tires and add fuel. A little drizzle isn't going to change anything. And I don't attempt to digress into the fact that NASCAR is fixed. That's an opinion. I just laid out why. I think those are very logical and you're going to have a hard time. You'll be mad at me. You'll be mad at me with your little NASCAR jacket on and your bottle of Ham's beer. But I don't think that you could argue what I just said. And if you took anybody at random, bring your car, I'll bring my car, and we race, we could turn around at the other side and we could race right on back, but we're going to have the same winner. And if we don't, we would literally be breaking the definition of insanity. Point that I'm getting at. If Jake Paul was to go and race cars, it would work. And Jake Paul has done one of the hardest things for any celebrity to do. So many people get this wrong. And they think if a guy is famous, he can go into any world of entertainment. But we've seen that tried by many people, and it doesn't work. I could tell you a number of athletes, stars, Shaquille O'Neal, Roy Jones Jr., top of my head here, that went over and tried to sing, and it didn't work. The people didn't want to hear them. If you were liked and loved in one area, and you try to take yourself out, but you're telling the fans that they have to come with you, the fans will generally remind you who's in charge. Steve Carell is finding that out the hard way. He is Michael Scott. He is nothing but Michael Scott. He has never been in a hit that anybody's watched since he quit being Michael Scott, and he won't return to Michael Scott. He thinks he's going to tell the audience, just for one example, but he thinks he's going to tell the audience what he's going to do, and they're going to come along, and he's finding out, no, we're not. And you can have bust after bust, or you could just listen to what I'm saying right now. But Jake Paul got an audience to come from Disney to YouTube to the squared circle. And he's not the same guy in the squared circle as he was on Disney or on YouTube. He made the jump and he brought everybody with him. He made this transition slow and he made it strategically. And they will definitely follow him to NASCAR. Of course. I would talking to you about would NASCAR keep him out? That's the only place it gets interesting. Like, I'm not what you would call an old man, but I'm not as, as young as I used to be. But my body still feels good. And I always told people, if I ever got too old or I had an injury where I couldn't continue in MMA, I would just go to the NFL. Like, it's my default plan. I would call up one of the teams. I'd go to try it. I'd beat everybody on the field. And I'd have this spot in the NFL. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to pursue a real and a true and an honest that felt good to me sport first. 
And if that's what Jake's doing, I for one would get it. I would just fully understand that. And I get breaking news all the time on sports. I don't talk to you guys sports, but I, I know a lot about them. I got some news just by example, and don't even bother checking this. I'm 100% right. Tom Brady's team is out of the playoffs. He won't be at the Super Bowl. Retirement talk is already swirling around Brady. Try to get that somewhere else. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts, search your welcome, and leave us a review. Like our friend Rick, who says, the bad guy knows it all. Well, thank you, Rick. You're correct. And thanks to all of you. Come back on Friday. I'll be right here, and until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.